When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. How's it going? Welcome to episode 73 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. Of course, if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please take a second to let us know what you think. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Once again, joined by my co-host, Kevin Hastings, who should be followed on the Twitter at Hastings. Kevin, I was checking with our guest on tonight. I was, I was impressed to see as I'm looking through our listener leagues that all three of us are, are neck and neck for like in, with all, with all within the top 10 of the overall in that league. So I was pretty impressed by that. But I, we even talked about this league in quite a bit. How are you feeling about your chances in your four out of the five, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. It's been really interesting to me. These are, other than my home leagues, these are my only 12-team leagues. And so they're vastly different than a majority of the leagues I play. And it's been a challenge. I am in the league that our guest is running away with it. I think he's got a 15-point <laughs> lead over second place. And there is a huge bunch but I have not been able to get out of ninth or 10th place, even though 10 points gets me to third or fourth. But it's been that way for two months, and I haven't been <laughs> able to make up any of that ground. They've been very competitive leagues and a lot of fun. I'm glad we, I'm glad we pulled this off for this season. Yeah, hoping we'll get the, at least the five, if not more, for next season. So keep an eye out for that as well. Doing pretty good in one of the three that I'm in. In first in that one. That's the one I'm in with Yancey. So Yancey was sure to screenshot the first couple of weeks when I jumped <laughs> away at first and uh, gave me some gave me some back talk on how the league is obviously rigged in that, but uh, still sitting there as well. But as I mentioned, we got a great guest to join us this week. Again, one of the very few times that we have had a return guest. So I don't know if that's on us for not asking enough people to come back or people not wanting to come back. I'm, I'm hoping it's the former, but we're lucky to welcome back Mr. Todd Zola. He's here to help us break down the fab considerations for this weekend. Todd, of course, can be found regularly contributing to ESPN, RotoWire, and Sirius XM Radio. Of course, his site, mastersball.com. Todd currently sits in third place overall in our ever so important on the wire listener league. That's out of 60 total teams. It's no TGFBI overall, which both of you guys have have a little, whether it's a, I think it's just a mental plaque. You guys didn't actually get an actual physical plaque for that, did you? That would be, uh, that would be impressive. Kevin's just saying, he's not that I know of. <laughs> we haven't, with COVID, we haven't seen each other. But, <laughs> so even if we were to, we wouldn't be able to get one just yet. But no, I think we get a Jason Mason, a Justin Mason onesie. Oh, that's <laughs> what I go. think it's going to end up. I think that's probably what we're going to end up with. You guys can all exchange that at first pitch, and whoever whoever joins you guys this year in that little club can you can all wear the matching onesies and take lots of pictures. But Todd, thanks, man, for for joining us. How's uh, how's everything going for you this season? Doing well in one league, apparently. <laughs> 
But it's I'm good in some, not so good in others. I don't play in as many as I used to. Not that, but yeah, I'm having fun in the listener league. It was yeah, appreciated the invitation. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We've been jostling between first and fifth. What I haven't started to do yet, and I think it's about time, and maybe this is a bit of a humble brag, or maybe it's having gone through the TGFBI, but I don't have to worry about the categories to win this league. If it if something happens, then I'll switch to it. I can start looking to see where I can make up ground in the overall. Yeah. And exactly. I think it's about time that I did that. Because there's, in a 12-team league, and we're going to talk about some, there's some players available to specifically help in categories. And I have, I'm going to call it the luxury. I'll call it the luck, too. The luck and luxury of being able to do that. Not that there's anything extra that goes along with the taking down the, the, the this league either. It's But it's still nice to be able to say, I won the overall of the speaker, not the speakers league, but the, the listener on the pod listener league. Yeah, we I think we touched on it a little bit, Kevin, how important that it is to see where you can make up ground and where you don't need to worry about it, whether or not you can't make up ground or you're so far ahead of the person behind you in that category that it's not a category you have to really pay attention to all that much in the last couple of weeks of the season as Todd, as you're talking about. Yeah, that's, I can't wait to hear what some of those players that have very specific value that we'll talk about a little bit later. But for now, we do have a bunch of news to talk about that could affect what we are considering for our fab pickups this Sunday night. So we can get right into that right away. Kevin, I'm going to start with you with some bullpen talk because everybody loves that no matter what time of year it is. In LA, the Dodgers are expecting Bruce Dargatterall to return back sometime this weekend. We're recording this Saturday night. He's not back on the team yet. So who's to say he doesn't come back on Sunday? But Blake Trinan is not far away either. He's coming back in his own rehab stints. Evan Phillips is pitching lights out. Got, got a save the other day. Is there any chance that Dave Roberts steps away from Craig Krimble down the stretch heading into the playoffs with the lead that they have, giving him a little bit of stretch and just what we've been seeing out of Kimbrell? I don't think so quite yet. I think we're going to see what we saw the last couple of seasons with Kenley Jansen there. I think once it's the last couple of weeks of the season and then into the postseason, they moved away from Jansen there for a couple of seasons. And I think they may do the same here. I don't think they'll do it yet. They really don't have a need to. They know what these guys can do. So I don't think it's going to affect too many of Kimbrell's save opportunities, at least till the end of September, as we are playing into October this season. And it's just, it's a headache he doesn't need. Counting the postseason, he's got two and a half months of meeting with the press after every game. And why start talking about that now? He can just, he can ride this out and then... As they get towards the end of the season, do what he's done in the past. It's worked out for him. He's got a World Series title that way. So I don't see a whole lot going on. And we're going to talk about this later in the show. Any of these guys, Gratterall, Trinan, Phillips, these guys are all viable to use in our starting fantasy lineups. And in fact, I think we have a listener question coming up later in the show pertaining to this as well. Yeah, I can see them not moving away, like not doing what we're going to talk about a little bit later, like what San Diego announced with Taylor Rogers not being the closer for or 
being pulled away or with Melanson being pulled away in Arizona or something like that, but more giving Kimbrell like more rest in between outings and then giving more opportunities to these other guys like Phillips has shown or Gratterall coming in the way we see Dodgeritis with starting pitching where we're limiting their innings and skipping starts and this and that. So not so much pulling them out of the role, but giving opportunities to other people and spreading them out a little bit more just to, just to see what's what. There's one addendum to what Kevin was saying though. And that getting away from Jensen during the playoffs, the Dodgers always had a surplus of starters, one of which was a pretty dominant starter. One year was Julio Urias. They don't have that luxury this year. So they could back off Kimbrell late. But other than maybe Dustin May, I don't know that there's the starter turn reliever that's going to take his place. So I think they're going to need to get Kimbrell right and confident. So we'll see what happens. All right, Todd, let's go into a rotation here in Detroit. Eduardo Rodriguez, is sch- he's scheduled to return to the Tigers. He starts on s- Sunday today as you're, re- as you're listening to this. With what was little known about Erod's time away from the team, what, sign- what kind of expectations do you have for, the, for him and the Detroit rotation for the rest of the season? Anybody, be- if someone may have a narrative with Rodriguez, we don't know. We just we have no idea. Mm-hmm. And the I think the important thing was he wasn't pitching all that well when he's with the club to start the season. Now whether he would have righted the ship or whatever's going on has influenced him early on, we don't know. But we don't know. There there is no answer. I'm not counting on anything. And by not counting anything, if you get a little something, it's a plus. But I'm not counting on anything from Eduardo Rodriguez. Again, put whatever veteran narrative you want in there. We have no idea. Yeah, what I understand is that the Tigers are going with a four-man rotation for the foreseeable future with a couple of off days coming up. So we'll see how that shakes out when that, that time off is expires and see what they do with that fifth or and or sixth hmm. spot in the rotation. The guy I'm right, interested Ke- in is Matt Manning because he hmm. actually left pretty good last start. So he's the only one left just with Scooble out of the youngsters to, to hmm. try to, and see what we get. I am going to be following Matt Manning through the end of the season. Be interesting to see if he if the work he said he did on his slider during right. his rehab worked out for the rest of the way. Seeing where he might go he, in draft, he looked good in his first start mm-hmm. back. So we'll see. All right, Kevin. Let's see, the Yankees have yet to record a hit by a rookie eligible player going into the weekend, the season, and then they call up Oswaldo Cabrera and Esteban Florial while sending Tim LaCastro and Miguel Andahar back to Triple A. Should we care about these two rookies? I don't think so. I think it's really crowded here. They're giving them a bit of a shot, but we have Giancarlo Stanton coming back. Glaber Torres has been the designated hitter. DJ LeMahieu has been the designated hitter on occasion. We got Rizzo back a week or two ago. LeMahieu came back on Thursday of this week. He's played second base, first base, DHing today, Saturday. And this is going to get really crowded. Unfortunately, Cabrera, unfortunately for the Yankees, I think, I don't think they're going to want Stanton playing in the outfield, at least right away, similar to Kyle Schwarber. And he's been DH uh, all three games since he's returned from his calf injury. And they'll probably do the same in New York with Stanton. So then where do all these guys play? Torres is your second baseman. Josh Donaldson's your third baseman. You got Rizzo at first base. Falafa uh, defensively and with his speed on the base pass is the shortstop. Where's DJ LeMayhew even playing, let alone these two rookies? So I see them splitting time in the outfield 
with Stanton as the designated hitter. And that still doesn't get LeMahieu in the lineup. So I think it's too crowded for both of them for sure to get playing time and probably either one, the way this is going to shake out. Yeah, it seems as though they were called up for a very specific need and that mostly was health. Obviously, the Yankees kind of dwindling here in the last couple of weeks, at least offensively. And so maybe you could see it narratively. You can say that they are coming in here to shake things up and light a fire and what have you. But it seems as though they were more so they came up due to injuries being plagued around. Like you said, Stanton is coming back soon, expected back next week after he's rehabbing over this weekend. So yeah, I agree. I won't be going hard after either one of these guys. Definitely not Florial and and Cabrera. I could see him sticking around as a bench piece, but I would assume with his pedigree, they were going to want him to get regular at-bats like he was in the minors. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump back down as well. All right, Todd, we do have a, another IL stint being announced with Cabrian Hayes of the Pirates. He hitting the IL this past week. With him being out in Pittsburgh, is there anything worth looking at in the Pirates lineup that's going to fill his void? This one's easy. Okay, <laughs> moving on. No, I'm talking with Rodolfo Castro and his cell phone and... Kevin Padlow, you really want to take some time on those guys? No, there honestly there isn't. Yeah, that was pretty hilarious. He only lost one game out of that though. Like he only got he could be doing anything with that cell phone. I think they looked at it. They did look at it. And it, had they found something on it, mm-hmm. maybe it was more. I think it was an innocent mistake. And yeah, you gotta punish him because it's against the rules, but I think you also have to be cl- be common sensical sure. about it. But yeah, it was pretty much of a joke. Yeah, not so much happening on the offensive side in Pittsburgh if your name's not Brian Reynolds or even Cabrian Hayes at this point. We will move, We will stay in Pittsburgh then. Kevin, I will go to the rotation for you, though, with Rosie Contreras. He returned to the rotation for the Pirates. He started on Wednesday. He went six innings. He struck out three, which was a little surprising, a little bit on the lower side than I would have expected. The six innings was slightly surprising as well, simply due to the fact that his innings were so limited in his stints in AAA. He went two, three, four, five innings in consecutive starts. So I you know that sh- I should have seen the pattern there. So what are the odds he goes seven innings next time out? Not very good at all, I don't <laughs> believe. The, so I'm more worried about the six-man rotation and them having an off day each week for the next couple of weeks. So it being seven days... Uh, between outings than I am the six innings and getting seven innings the next time out. That's where I'm going with the numbers six and seven here <laughs> because he's set up to face Atlanta on Monday. I don't want any part of that, and especially with it being probably his only start of the week. Something could change and we could see him next Sunday, but it, it appears that he won't pitch until the following Monday at Milwaukee. They have a day off that week as well, so the following Monday he would get the Mets. Yeah, unfortunately, he's got a pretty rough road ahead. He's shown some flashes this season. He's somebody I'm very interested in for 2023. We'll keep an eye on how he performs against these teams, these tough matchups, and definitely keep tabs on how he performs, but I don't have any interest in him for the next two, three weeks. Yeah, Pittsburgh made it clear that they're most concerned about the innings. And it's a little surprising that he's up this early. They were going to monitor them on the farm. So this six-man rotation, why would you want to limit the amount of times that Bryce Wilson and Tyler Beatty can start? <laughs> Come on. Now, jokes aside, J.T. Brubaker looked really good the other night. Mm-hmm. But anyway, 
I'm not think yet. I think the purpose of this season is to get what 50, 60, 70 innings under the belt for Contreras, so he can pitch 120, 130 next year, and and start the career. All right, somebody who is going to be out for a little bit longer than that, Carlos Carrasco, Todd. He's going to be out about yeah. three or four weeks with an oblique strain. Taiwan Walker's MRI came back with no structural damage, though he's doubtful to make his next turn in the Mets rotation. So. Who's filling the gap in New York, assuming you know, Jacob DeGrom isn't going to go every three days? I'm going to I'm going to say he's not. Oh, OK, <laughs> I don't have any inside information, but I'm going to say he's not. All right. So doubleheader, like you mentioned, fourth wall recording Saturday. This is broadcast on Sunday. David Peterson and Trevor Williams with the twin bill for the Mets on Sunday. Oh, that I'm sorry. That's today. That's as we're recording. That leaves. They're calling up Jose Buto tomorrow which is today as we're, this is going to get confusing as we're <laughs> listening. So Jose Buto got the start. On, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing it, but getting the start on Sunday. Peterson is the immediate replacement for Carrasco. We're still not sure about Walker. And I would think that Trevor Williams has the edge up over Buto for the next spot. Buto's really not anybody that I'm interested in. And that's not, that's not having seen him pitch on Sunday, which a lot of people may have already done at this point and make me sound kind of silly, but I am interested in Peterson. I'm not so much interested in Williams. The Mets can't really cruise. It would be nice if they were to get the first round by and they're still in a battle with Atlanta. I don't, I haven't checked the standings to know if St. Louis or whoever's in the central can can contest for the second overall spot yet, but they, they have the luxury of being in the playoffs but man, that first round buy can mean a lot. Yeah, right now, let's see, the Mets are about five. Ooh, they're, they're about almost 10 games up on the Cardinals for that for yeah. that second spot. So they're doing pretty good there and four games up on, on Atlanta, as you mentioned, a little bit closer of a battle there. So I'm not sure St. Louis is going to put up much of a fight. Right. There's still plenty of time. Who knows? So it'd be even if they're in, it's just a matter of how many teams are in a battle with. Mm-hmm. And it's all as long all it takes is one, right? You still want to you want to win that division to get that by, especially because whoever you're playing is going to play and you can line up Jagram Scherzer, or Scherzer Jagram, however you want. Not don't forget about Chris Bassett. So you're if you're able to line your guys up, man, you've got such an advantage going in. And that's that was the design of the playoffs of the bye. Of course you're off, but anyway. I think it's something we might touch on a little bit later in the show, but I will give a shout out to the Mets road schedule the rest of the way and it is it is it's a pretty schedule if you're a Mets fan <laughs> it's not something that I too many Mets fans would be too too afraid of going down the stretch so they should be they should get have an opportunity to put their rotation where they want it to be and see what they got all right Kevin the A's they called up Shea Langoliers catcher who he's now started every game since his debut on Tuesday despite being tagged the quote backup catcher to Sean Murphy is this someone we should be expecting decent bids on this weekend with the expectations of volume playing time between now and the end of the season at the catcher position? Maybe in some deeper two-catcher leagues, like 15-team two-catcher leagues, maybe even a couple of 12s. There's been sporadic, quite a few injuries with catchers throughout the season. There's been some weeks where three or four have went down, and it seems like everybody in my league is bidding on a catcher. And it's been pretty frustrating at times. So depending on the league this weekend, if people need a second catcher, I could see this. He's going to get the playing time. He's got decent power. Two seasons in a row now with 20 home runs plus in 
400 or so plate appearances in the minor leagues. And now at the major league level, he's added one to this season's total. But I, I don't think he's much of a target in single catcher leagues. The catching position, at least at the top, has been quite a bit better this season than we thought it might be. There's, If you're in a 12-team single catcher league, there's been nine or 10 guys you'd be more than happy to have. So yeah, just in the deeper leagues, I think. Did you guys see the results of the of Rob DiPietro's 2000, 2023 draft champions where he did the first seven rounds? Yeah, and then like nine uh, Ryan catchers. Bluefield, yeah, yeah nine yeah. catchers in the first seven rounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which it, it, that, yeah, that speaks to exactly what you were saying, that t- it's very top-heavy, but the back end's still a cesspool, and I do think I agree. There will be some people that are going to be bidding on Langoliers to upgrade that their fungible catcher at that 24th or 30th spot. Yeah, I feel like, Kevin, I've been one of those teams that have, of my five or six fab leagues, I feel like I'm bidding on a catcher every other week <laughs> between yes. all of those leagues just because they keep just dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. When I'm bidding on Eric Haas and there's an actual backup bid, and I know I have to bid 3 or $4, not 1 or $2 to get them, <laughs> then here's the situation that you're in. Yeah, for many years, that was the reason catchers weren't typically drafted early was because they were more more prone to injury. If your name wasn't Mike Piazza, you weren't even considered (laughs) drafting a catcher Mm -hmm. until the mid rounds. And that's changed over the last couple of years with a couple of the spectacular performances we've had, but it it hasn't really worked out that well. They've been okay. Well, Salvador Perez, when he's played after starting off the season slow, he's been he's at least the home runs are there. The average hasn't been there that was there last season. Will Smith is playing better in recent weeks, and he was good, but he wasn't Will Smith worth right. taking in the third <laughs> or fourth round like we were doing this season. And it, but I think like Todd brought up the nine catchers in seven rounds. I was looking at that, and it appeared they didn't start till the fourth. We didn't have the second and third round thing, and the, but then a whole bunch of them went right there in, in about the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Catcher, the new relief pitcher, they swap spots. So, all right. To another call up, going back to the Mets. Brett Batty got the call for the Mets. He made his MLB debut on Wednesday and promptly sent the ball over the fence. He's also started every game since, so, just like Langoliers has, since his debut. So are you seeing this as a permanent switch in New York or a short-term fill-in? Actually, all right, I'm checking. Did he start the night game of the doubleheader because it was a lefty on the hill? I figured he wouldn't be sitting that. I figured he'd be sitting that game. He's left in a hitter batty, and he started against Max Freed. So it's we're not. Mm-hmm. So it's up in the air. That's the opportunity to take the job. Louis Guillerme, who he's replacing, a nice player, right? Did the job defensively. If the Mets lineup hits like they should, they can afford a defensive spot. And Guillermo was contributing. But he's, it's not David Wright. If Batty hits at all, you could take that job and run with it, even if he's just on the strong side of a platoon and Guillermo comes back and plays against some left-handed, hit, left-handed pitchers when he comes back, et cetera. Although if Batty can also strike out a bunch in the next two weeks and be sent back down. So the opportunity is there. Right now, we're going to talk a lot about pickup. We're going to talk a lot about pickups as we move on. We're at the point of the year where you don't plug your things in a projection engine and base bids on that. You're basing bids 
on your risk, your reward level, your desperation. I'm not going to win anyway, so I might as well, if I don't get if I don't get lightning in a bottle, so I might as well take a chance. Forget value in a vacuum right now. It's that's out the window. Batty has a chance to be a difference maker. I'm not predicting he will. But sometimes you just have to take a chance on the opportunity. Yeah, and he did start the second game. So he's, oh, did uh, he? In, yeah, in the eight hole, just like he wow. did in the first game. So he's right there in the bottom third of that's, the Mets lineup every that's single interesting. day. interesting. Lefty on lefty. And you got to figure the Mets had somebody they could have put in. But, they, yeah, he, wow. that's that, It's interesting, yeah. And then on top of that, Kevin, Will Smith just hit a home run. We got that <laughs> going for him as well. All right. Let's move a little bit south from New York, go down to Baltimore, Kevin, where the Orioles, unfortunately, in my eyes, they DFA'd Brett Phillips just to call out. They made a whole bunch of moves, but this seemed like they the one that matched up was that they called up outfield prospect Kyle Stowers, though I'm sure we're all hoping to see Phillips catch on somewhere, even as a bullpen piece, perhaps. It's just <laughs> a fun part of the game. Do you see any legitimate interest in Stowers over this weekend? Not yet. And I know we still have Sunday to go. Baltimore's still playing now as we're recording. And this is what really gave me hesitation was he didn't get the start today. Already in his second game, he was on the bench, and they were facing a righty. So that was very interesting to me. He got into the game and had a couple of RBI, but it's concerning to me if we're really looking for plate appearances and to make moves in categories right now, that in his second game with the team, he was already starting the game on the bench in a in, in the right-handedness of matchup that we would typically want to see. So there's not enough here yet for me, but it is worth monitoring. If he's going to get the playing time, then, of course, we'll consider what we might be able to use him for. He had the power there. Just I just brought up earlier 20 home runs and 400 plate appearances in the minor leagues that's what he's done the same thing he had 19 and 407 so it's worth keeping an eye on but i just don't know about the playing time yet yeah you didn't start today as you said as we're recording this on saturday he did pinch hit did have a couple of rbis in his game today on saturday as the as the orioles took another one oh, no, no i'm sorry reading that scoreboard the wrong way more of assumptions than anything else the orioles went lost by one run to the red sox so that is my way of segueing over to our next one, Todd, as the, the news from Boston this week is that the Red Sox option, Josh Winkowski, after his lackluster start against the Pirates this week, you talked, you know, how good JT Brubaker looked. Winkowski was on the other side of that and looking the complete opposite. They reinstate Matt Strom in his place into their bullpen. So with Tanner Houck out with back issues, the strong factor in is a possibility for high leverage situations in Boston. And who might we be seeing filling Winkowski's spot in the rotation? Winkowski was the sixth. He was needed because Nathan Eovaldi was scratched last week. So Winkowski is essentially the sixth. So with everybody healthy right now, the Red Sox have five. That includes Cutter Crawford. So Winkowski's stay of execution, if you will, was extended with Eovaldi's injury last week. Supposed to be back this week. Kowski will go back down, but it's not. Michael Walker looked really good today. He's still not bastion of health, and we already mentioned uh, Rich Hill. They'll, they will need another pitcher at some point. Strom, sure. Without even with or without Hulk back, Hulk back there. Alex Cora is still playing a little mixing matching. Garrett Whitlock went more than one inning today to pick up the save. So. 
Strom could be in play tomorrow. Keeping in mind, we mentioned Baltimore just now for looking at bids on Stowers, et cetera. They play the late game Sunday night. It's in Williamsport. It's the it's the Little League game. They're playing in Williamsport tomorrow night on ESPN. So we won't we could check the lineups for Stowers, but we we'll, maybe won't putting in bids knowing exactly how he did. But you really shouldn't be doing that anyway. Anyway, <laughs> the point being, yeah, I don't. It's do you put a bid on Strom? If I want saves, I'm not putting a bid on Strom. If I want a reliever that might be able to get me a save or two, yeah, he's in that realm, but he was previously. Yeah, as you mentioned, Cora play, picking and choosing his closing options right now. I could see. I don't see Strom being any kind of a favorite by any stretch of the imagination. No, weird things happen in the late innings. He hasn't been used yet with the goofy extra inning rule. Lefties, he's got the capable, capability of going multiple innings. So we'll match. If you're putting the over-under at a half, for, for saves rest of the year, I'm taking the over. If you make it, if you make it one and a half, I don't, I'm not a better, so I, I'm going to need odds. I don't know what that means. It, it means I'm not, but it means, I'm going to pretend I do. I'm going to need odds. There you go. <laughs> Put it I, to expand on that, Todd. I think I would gamble, even though it would be completely random, that he would get more wins the rest of the season than saves. That's yeah. a prop right there. That's a nice prop. Yeah, again, it, it, those these things go against my DNA, but they're fun to talk about. So I'll stop looking at the clouds and and say, yeah, that's a fun bet. That would be a fun if you're if we're around a bar and we're making goofy little yeah, that's a fun little bet. I bet Strom gets more wins than saves. I don't think you're going to find anybody that denies <laughs> it. I think maybe it's something like I bet he gets more holds and wins and saves combined. Ah, whatever. He's going to be in the he's going to be in the in the mix. All right, let's let's move down to Tampa. Stay in the AL East, Kevin. The Rays they're going to wait a little bit longer to get Wander Franco back, as he was held out of a couple of rehab games over the weekend with a sore hand. Oh. Yeah, as he comes back from his hamate bone surgery or injury, but they did get Manny Margot back on Saturday. Can we expect Margot to get regular at bats for the Rays? And who ends up getting displaced the most with his return to Tampa, combined with Harold Ramirez also coming back? Yeah, I think he's going to play most every day. Uh, if you look at the lineup today, as they're facing a lefty, all three, Brandon Lau, David Peralta, G-Man Choi, all to the bench, Yu Chang, Isaac Paredes, Jose Siri, all in the lineup. And Manny Margot in there yesterday against a righty. And, or excuse me, in there today against the lefty. But I, I think he's going to be in there regardless. I think, what we saw today with their mixing and matching is what we'll see most days. I think that uh, they need Manny Margot. Tampa Bay had went through a pretty long stretch of not hitting at all. And you would look at their lineup and it was full of batting averages below 200 OPSs below 600. And you're looking at this lineup and like, how is this team a playoff team? Right now, they still are. They need Manny Marco. Need is Wander Franco to come back. I think we all did. I heard a <laughs> sigh in Todd's voice on his end when I mentioned that. So I'm assuming that he's waiting patiently. For the, to leagues come back. That I, the leagues I have him in, it doesn't matter anymore. But I just like watching good baseball players play. Yeah. And he's a really good baseball player. I just I like watching Franco play. And I think it's too bad for the game that because he needed he still needed to develop. People have been betting on bidding on his upside or his peak seasons. I mean I'm disappointed. I expected 2020. 
2020 should not have been the expectation for Franco this season. That was too high, especially in the stolen bases. That could be his peak season, some 30-20. People are, he was being overbid. And I think he needed some time, some still development time. We're not getting it. But anyway. It is unfortunate. He should be back as long as there's not any major complications, probably in the next, hopefully within the next week and a half. But we'll have to, the thing with Franco during this rehab or during his recovery, I feel like we had absolutely no word about how it went or how it was going until he was assigned to a rehab stint. So I'll be curious to see how much this stays under wraps until something actually is something positive is worth mentioning. All right, Todd, I was going to ask you about Jordan Alvarez, but I saw the word earlier today that he's expected back on Sunday in the DH spot. So that's good. I'm glad he's out of the hospital. Good to go. He is being treated for through concussion protocols, but he went to the hospital with some shortness of breath the other day, and he sounds like he is out and ready to go for Sunday's matchup. So keep an eye out for that lineup instead. Yeah. Yes, at least he's back in the lineup and yep. out of the hospital. Instead, we'll talk about, we'll go back to Miami where Braxton Garrett, he's likely out for the rest of the season. At least that's what Craig Mish implied on Twitter as he was. What is Mish now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, Craig is great. Craig is fantastic. He's the one I learned the fact that Garrett's hitting the IL. He's getting he had a right oblique strain. Yeah. Brian Hoeing was the one called up to make his to make the replacement start and also his MLB debut against the Dodgers on Saturday. As we're recording that this game is in the bottom of the second, and Dodgers are already up three nothing. So you can take that <laughs> with you one. We'll see how that turns out on the other end. But can you see Hoeing sticking around th- this late in the season for in that rotation with Garrett out? Garrett had a pretty specific spot in that rotation, it seems. Or should we expect another move on Sunday, sending him back down? I'm not. Uh, he may need at least may need at least one more start just to get through until Trevor Rogers is back. So he may have to take one for the team again next week. It's a return matchup against the Dodgers, which is not a very good thing. He's young, but he's not very good. The numbers are not very good. I haven't checked to see a Daniel Castano or someone like that maybe brought up Cody Petit, Jordan Holiday. These are all spot starters who on the Rotowire site that I'm on all have a line through their name with 60 or 15 or seven day DL next to their name. Meyer, as we know. So Hoeing may need one more start because I think Trevor Rogers, it was decided he needs one more rehab start before he can come back to the majors and continue to ruin a lot of people's seasons. I said, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. It's good news for Trevor Rogers as he's coming back. He gets to be in the majors again. I'm not sure anybody who is held on, anybody who's held on to him after he hit the IL is they they obviously feel they they need to use him again. But, I mean, isn't uh, he like the fifth best pitcher in a Rogers only league now? <laughs> and there's some couple there's a couple of terrible Rogers out there too. <laughs> There, Whether you spell of, it with a D or no D, that yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Brendan. I, Brendan's the number one pick, but yeah. uh, no. I, the point, yeah. I and he's a guy that I just Jose Barrios, Lucas Giolito, Trevor Rogers are why I still have a job, but it's still so frustrating. Let's see, yeah. And Trevor Rogers still eighty three percent rostered in the main event, two percent starting. So that's impressive. So we'll see if that team that's still starting Trevor Rogers through this stint, how they, how I can only assume how they're doing at this moment. If they replaced him with Hoeing, they're getting better with a zero. They're yeah. not getting zeros on that, in that spot. All right. 
Kevin, we'll bookend this with another bullpen talk as I teased a little bit earlier. Bob Melvin, he announced on Saturday that Josh Hader would be getting a break from the closing from closing games in San Diego. They'll be going to a closer by committee approach. This isn't the first time Melvin has made this announcement with his his closer situation. But in this situ- in, at this time, who's the likely source for the most chances while Hader is taking his break? We didn't get any information today because they used everybody yeah <laughs> tim hill <laughs> suarez nick martinez were all used before hater came in the ninth in a tie ball game i believe gave up the three runs and then luis garcia came in two strikeouts in a clean inning to get them out of the jam in the top of the ninth but it, it was too late for that i don't think it's going to be any one guy unfortunately i lean towards luis garcia and nick martinez to be the two most likely but suarez could get the shot as i mentioned tim hill even i think there's several options there i wouldn't count on any of them for saves but if i'm using a reliever not counting on saves from them with the opportunity maybe a win maybe a save I think Garcia and Martinez are the two I like the most here. This is one of those situations. We see this a lot in the preseason, but if you go to roster resource and you check (laughs) what Jason's got over on on the closer chart there, he's got four different closers in that bullpen right now. And I always love it when there's four, anywhere between four and seven guys being labeled closer (laughs) between Robert Suarez, Adrian Morion, Martinez and Garcia, as you mentioned. Todd, do you see any of these guys running with it, or well, no, do you no, believe here, Bob? Here's no, it's not. Here's the deal. Josh Hader and his wife just went through a little bit of a personal stuff with a newborn. Everything's fine, but still, these aren't robots. These are people. And as soon as Josh Hader has a couple of quality outings, which he should once things settle down, he's back in the ninth inning. So I agree with Kevin. If you're going to pick someone on a short-term basis or in a draft challenge league where you drafted Louis Garcia, I, you probably did because I took Robert Suarez in all of those leagues. But I'm probably <laughs> going to activate Suarez if I have a spot. I think it's a short-term thing. Hopefully as everything's fine, Hater gets everything back together again, and he'll be right back in there as soon as he gains some confidence. The be- the good thing here is that this didn't happen. The last time Bob Melvin did this, it was right before the trade deadline, and they ended <laughs> up trading their closer before they could put him back in the role. Um, yeah. I don't. That won't happen this time around. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our news and notes section of this episode. As always, I'm sure we missed a couple things worth noting. Keep up with all the news of the day. Make sure you're listening to the First Pitch Podcast with Chad Young, Scott Chu, and Daniel Port. They break down all the news, highlights, and observations from every day's worth of games, as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league. Just a moment. We're going to talk to Todd about the value and the risks associated with streaming two start pitchers, even at this stage of the year. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with 
with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, we are back. Of course, you are listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, joined, of course, each week with Kevin Hastings. And this week, we are talking with Todd Zola of MastersBalls.com. We got RotoWire. We got SiriusXM. Todd, you are in many places at many times, it seems. But one thing that you do on a very consistent basis is you talk every Friday with Clay Link over the RotoWire uh, podcast talking about who the two start pitchers are going to be for the following week and break down in your own way who might be worth looking into, who might be worth not only bidding on if they're on the wire, but if you have them in your lineup, are you taking advantage of those situations that they have and moving them in? But you guys have been doing this for a couple of years now on a regular basis. So I wanted to pick your brain about, especially at this time of year, the kind of the benefits versus the risk versus the rewards of putting in these streamers based on volume, strictly on volume on two-star pitchers. We're going to talk about some two-star pitcher options for not this week, but next week as we typically do. And there's not a lot of guys on the list to talk about this week around this week between the off days, between rotations, just not being always in flux and what have you. So let's, when you guys are ta- when you guys are breaking down your two star options at this stage of the year, what do you find to be more important, the matchup or the skill level? This time, I don't think it's this time of year. I think it's all the time. A quick question to frame things: You said this week there weren't that many options. This season, have you? It seems seriously. Have you ever had a week with Kevin? We're gonna we're gonna need extra time to talk about all these two star options. Have you ever? Have you said that th- yet this year? There, it's there haven't been that many. Now, this is a strange year in that it's not all about the skill of the pitcher anymore. There, maybe you guys disagree. I'm happy to hear to see if I'm on an island. I don't think I am. There are more offense pitching staffs to pick on, or I get no offenses. I was at there are more offenses to pick on. Than there ever than there have been. In other words, it's not necessarily the quality. It's there are so many teams who just are terrible lineups. It makes an eh guy a pretty good option, and not just for two starts. That could be for one start as well. The because of the schedule this year, not so much because of the makeup games from the lockout. But once they added in, once they added in the extra off days, the number of two start pitchers reduced, and it made the one start guys that much more important. And this year, with all the terrible offenses, there are more one-start guys available to use instead of a mediocre two-start guy. Yeah, we, like I said, we look ahead two weeks from now, and that list that you guys, if you go down in the oh, you'll see there's only five or six guys on there. And it's a lot easier to guess what those, when you're looking two weeks ahead, be like, oh, if everything kind of pans out, yeah, these are the guys that are going to be two starts. But you're absolutely right. that rarely pans out. I love the idea. Mm -hmm. I love the idea, but like you just said, it doesn't, it's all, I don't want to say a waste of time because it's never, it's never a waste of time because you're learning names, et cetera. But the number, the the number of times it pans out, 
like you said, are so few and far between that I love, I mean, it used to be smart to get a two-star guy a week in advance. Now I'm not as interested in the two-star guys anymore. I'm more, while everybody else is going for them, I want the guy with a start against Detroit. I want the guy with a start against the Angels who are striking out a ton and they normally don't. That's so I'm finding myself gravitating more towards the one start guys with a better matchup and being smart about the two start pitchers. So maybe I'm not winning strikeouts like maybe I've done in the past, but I'm still competing in them and my ratios are still all right that overall it works out okay. So I, you know, and the other thing about this season is I don't know how well you guys, not so much how well, but how much you guys have been tracking the run scoring. Offense is usually peaking right around now. It's stagnant. So it used to be let's stream early and then pick it up again in September because right now they're scoring runs left and right. Runs aren't runs aren't being scored at the same peak level as they've been, even relative to the season itself. Mm-hmm. Run scoring has not gone up as much as it has in previous seasons, which means that you can still stream. And people you hear stream, you think two starts. To me, streaming, again, is starting a very good one-star pitcher against the horrible Pirates. Or the fact that we can just name so many Cubs, that we can name so many horrible offenses. There's not more pitchers to stream. There's more offenses to stream against. Kevin, do you feel the same way? Or would you rather be streaming a mediocre pitcher, who a right-hander who happens to be going against Detroit for one start, or... You know, a, a better pitcher with questionable matchups, but having two of those starts for volume. Oh, the, the righty against Detroit. They have oh, a right. team OPS <laughs> for the season of 586. That's 100 points below the point where for individual players that in the process, Jeff Zimmerman and Tanner Bell, that's the that's 100 points below where an individual player is in jeopardy of losing his job that they talk about in the process. There are... 10 teams versus lefties that point or below there are another 10 teams (laughs) a lot of overlap versus righties that point or below that's definitely what i'm looking at first whether it's for one or two starts is those matchups just like todd said i agree 100 percent. all right for both you guys though so you're saying though it sounds like i don't want to put words in your mouth but there's more risk to taking a, taking those two starts strictly for the volume than there is a possible reward, especially in those deeper leagues when these the guys that are available on the wire probably aren't all that good to begin with. And, and unless you get really lucky with those matchups. So, Todd, is the volume, do you have to be in a very specific situation, especially this time of year where you're looking for very specific for your, you're only looking at those counting stats. You're not worried about those about the ratios to go after after those guys on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, exactly. That's the difference in, in May. Everybody can afford to make a few mistakes and get blown up because everybody in leagues can get blown up a couple of times. So you just don't want to get it blown up eight times while everybody else is getting blown up five times, right? So you don't want Lucas Giolito because they're you're already at your eight right there. there I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I didn't even get Giolito in a lot of places. I just I it just he just bugs me because he's frustrating in that all right, you look good. He's back. Oh boy. He's not, not. Rios is in that way but has looked better than Giolito. But anyway, and so we're at the point of the year where you have less fewer weeks to make up for mistakes 
And the point, I don't know where you guys fall on this, how hard you hit the point home. You can move in ratios all season long. There's a fallacy out there that, ah, we have enough innings that I'm not going to move and whip. I'm not going to move an ERA. More leagues are won and lost on whip and ERA than any other category, even at the last week of the season, even at the last day of the season. So people out there that, ah, you know what? I can start taking chances to get my Ks because I can't lose any more ERA or whip points. Wrong. That's where you were in the standings. But overall, in general, there are more whip and ERA points won and lost than any other category. So let that keeping that in mind as well, it is incredibly important to start managing the categories. And in September, if you do need to take some, if I'm not going to win unless I flip these two unless I flip these two teams in strikeouts and not lose any ERA and whip points, then you start taking the chances. But right now, I still think you want to play the matchups. There are still a few two start pitchers that you either have on your roster or that you can pick up if you want to play that game, if you want to play the the volume game. One of the things I'm doing on RotoWire, we don't talk about it on the podcast, but what I've started to do on my two start rankings or my pitcher rankings is I'm including the NFBC rostership levels with the actual mm-hmm. rankings. So you can see, and it's just, first of all, there's a lot of NFBC players, but that could be used as a guide. And I also, what I've been doing the past couple of years is including a arbitrary solid reliever, mix 12, mix 15, AL and NL, to show when it is, it'd be better to use a non-closing but solid reliever over a starting pitcher. So between those two pieces of information, you still have to put it in context with your team, but I'm finding it a little bit helpful to to manage my st- at least give me a starting point what I should be looking for. Oh wow, this is a week where I want eight starters in there. I'm going to bench a closer. Or this is a week where man, I only can trust five starters, my two relievers. I'm going to have to put a waterfall of $1 relievers that I'm going to drop next week, but I need them this week. That sort of thing. Yeah, those are the those are the moves I think that a lot of people have a hard time with. It's just like, why would I ever roster this guy? Why would I ever roster this middle reliever for no apparent reason? But as you mentioned, like at this stage of the game, you could drop anybody for any reason if it doesn't if it doesn't help your team in the moment and for what you need the last six weeks of the season. And to echo something, Todd, I've heard you say multiple times. I expected you to say it here again, but you didn't. So I'm just gonna make I'm just gonna put words, take words out of your mouth, put them back in. As a reminder, ERA and WHIP in average, but those ratios are the categories that you can always move up. Also, teams can also move down below you. You don't always have to catch up to them. So things can go wrong for your to the teams above you as long as you're still treading water in those categories as well. So that is something that can happen. That feeds into why there's still movement. You may not have a pitcher going on the last day of the year, but you may gain a point in the ERA because your opponent was chasing strikeouts and chose poorly. Yeah, one other thing about it being the time of year that it is the simple fact that we're on our 21st fab run this weekend. If a player doesn't have the matchups we're looking for, they're not available. If they're good enough that we want to use them against a good offense, they're not available at this point. 21 fab runs into this. They've weeded themselves out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm going to try to call it up. I think Dustin May was someone who came above the mix 15 line 
and was available in both 12 and 15s. And he may not even be available. When's he going to? He's not starting till next week. No, he's starting today, Saturday. Okay. So he, so will, he be will be available, available right? this he Sunday. Will be, yeah, yeah, he will be available. And, he, and the only reason. I just t- testing on my motorcycle in between. <laughs> Very nice. No, I live 30 feet good. above a main street. Yeah. The exhaust, not so much. Anyway, but I usually have sirens. Now we have a motorcycle. All right. Anyway, Dustin May, he's only available because his call up was a surprise. He probably would have been called up around the, or you can't bid on him unless he was called up. But yeah, so he, unless he was already dropped in a league, which he may have been, his, the reason he's available is his call up was somewhat of a surprise. Again, I'm trying to see if there's anybody else. There just there weren't that many pitchers. There were more one-start guys that came above my cut line and were available in a couple of these leagues. So I'll find them as we're I'm, I'm clicking on my hitter rankings, not my pitcher rankings. That's why I'm not seeing anything. And it's weird what we're talking about. My tease or my title for this week's piece is New Math Says One Start Likely Better Than Two. And I don't know if you, and I don't know if that you, I don't think you guys planned it, planned a discussion, but I think we're probably subliminally thinking along the same lines. We knew the answer was, yeah, one start is, and we want to make that point. And I, that's what, that's what my, my, my theme this week in my little introduction to the rankings. Uh, David Peterson is someone who's available in mix 15. And uh, so he's above the line, but he only has one start next week. It's home against Colorado. Aaron Mm -hmm. Savali could still be available in NFBC 15-team leagues. One home start, again, one away start with Seattle. And then that's that's it. So Jeff Zimmerman has been talking about this on Twitter and that there's just no one to start. Yeah, uh, JP, been... JP Sears, maybe. He's got New York. All right, they're not hitting right now, but they're due. Sudden, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> so you want to start JP Sears at home against the Yankees next week with a single start? Then it gets down to the Tommy Henry and Jose Suarez group. And you want to you want to trust them or do you want to use a reliever? So I have a question for you guys because Dustin May has been so good in his rehab outings. But we have a full quarter of the season remaining. Six and a half weeks of baseball left to play. If you need wins and strikeouts and ratios, if you need Dustin May, and many teams and leagues do it, it are you emptying your fab budget with this much time remaining or not completely empty? Are you going a dollar more than the person that has the next largest amount of fab after you hoping that's enough to get him? Is, is use, it late enough to do that? I'm using the Rob Silver manner of approaching it. And I figure out emergency. What do I need every week? Maybe it's three, maybe in a 12 team league, it's $3, three $1 bits. In a 15 team, maybe it's five dollars. So what are they? There's six or seven weeks left. That's thirty or forty dollars. So it's instead of one dollar more than the next guy, I'm if I have a hundred and thirty is my necessary number, I'm bidding seventy, leaving myself the emergency needed that I think I need each week. Yeah, I think that's a smart move, especially for a guy like May who. I think a lot of people are just worried that he wasn't going to go five innings on a regular basis. Just coming back. I know he looks so good in his rehabs and what have you. He's gone three really good innings so far as we're recording this. Let up only one hit six. That's a five. That's five or six strikeouts, five strikeouts so far through three. So 
Yeah, I'm probably in the same boat with a guy like May, who he's not. He may or may not be in the rotation come playoff time, but they're going to want to make sure that he is nice and warm and ready to go, so that he's uh, he's good yeah. to go come playoffs. Like at one point, he was a luxury for the Dodgers. He's now a necessity, mm-hmm. right? I think yeah. anyway. I think he is going to be their Julio Urias that you talked about at the beginning of the show, Todd. That's what they yeah. want him to be in the postseason for sure. I could see that. I could see that. And to get him there. Let's take advantage in fantasy. Let's get those five inning starts for the next four or five or six weeks. All right, guys, that was really great. Let's uh, let's move on. Make sure you guys are checking out Todd's article over at RotoWire as he's ranking those pitchers and he talks a little bit more about this. And no, we did not plan that though. That worked out really <laughs> nicely, Todd. Let's get into some recommendations. Let's move back to the offense as we typically do. Some guys that may or may not be available in your leagues will go through some percentages of where they are in like the main event, online championships, Yahoo, where have you, just to give you a sense. But as I always say, make sure you're just checking your wire. It takes two seconds. Do a control F, do a search bar, whatever you need to do. Find the player. If they're available, great. If they're not, move on. But let's get some power guys in there. Kevin, let's start off with you. Who might be hitting a couple bombs for some of your teams this coming week? The guy that's most available is Lars Newtbar. He's the everyday right fielder now in St. Louis. Van and Steve were talking about him on Wins Above Fantasy this week. I agree with everything they said. They were breaking down players that their underlying metrics show that maybe better things are to come. And then, and they were, they were looking for the next Vinny Pasquantino, not in terms of prospect, but in terms of, hey, he was hitting the ball really hard great plate discipline, and he wasn't getting results. That was the gist of their show this week. And they came across Lars Newbar, and now it coincides with he's got an everyday job. He's playing every day, and I agree with them 100%. And he's got some nice availability out there. He's only 5% rostered on Yahoo. And the funny thing is his little player burb on Yahoo says he should be rostered in every league (laughs) and it's 5%, 94% rostered in the main event, but widely available in 12 team leagues, 24% rostered in the $350 version of the online championships. So some wide availability there in deep leagues where you really start need to taking some chances. I'm looking at Mike Moustakis. He hasn't been very good for a couple of years. He has been much better, although still not great, versus right-handed pitching. And Cincinnati is scheduled to face six right-handed starters in their seven games this week, I believe. So in, in a deep league where I'm really hurting and need to start taking some chances, Mike Moustakis is back, does have a hit or two. He's only been back for a day or two, but all six of his home runs on the season, only six for Mike Moustakis. All six of them are versus righties. Most of his counting stats, all versus righties. Hopefully he can get something going this week in the spot if you need him. Yeah, I heard, I heard those guys talking about Lars Newport over at Windsor. I agree. I do the fact that even if he's not leading off, he's in the nine spot. Those run opportunities are still going to be there, but he's still providing plenty of power options as well. Todd, who might you be looking at if you're desperate for a power boost? Really desperate, and I'm not even sure that it's this week. It's a stash. Is Luis Diaz. Again, follow Mitch. He'll let us know when to start <laughs> using Diaz. But yeah, Luis Diaz is someone in Miami that could start to see some more at-bats. I thought Oscar Gonzalez's roster ship was a little more available 
in the NFBC, but it's it's back up there again. So it's not as smart as a choice. He's, he's 60% in the 12 teamers. I know he's not all that rostered in the ESPN. So that's, that's not the, that's not the best of, uh, we're not going to win podcast of the year because I'm going to say to pick up Oscar <laughs> Gonzalez. Still surprisingly available across Yahoo is Oscar Yahoo Gonzalez. and ESPN. Yeah. I follow ESPN. Yeah. It's it, ten, 10 team daily leagues. It's a completely different animal as far as rostership goes, especially Yahoo because they don't use the full, what we consider to be full rosters. So yeah, typically more... three to four outfielders at the yeah, very, at yeah. least in that situation. We talk about that all the yeah. time, but yeah. still what he's been doing in Cleveland is still to a point at this stage of the year that that percentage at least isn't in double digits quite yet. Where, as you mentioned, over, over two thirds of leagues. In, and he's even hitting cleanup. He said he's hitting cleanup. You mentioned Newt Bar. He's hitting, he's playing against both sides. Though you said, like you said, towards the bottom of the order against lefties. But his he's the reason that the Cardinals decided they could trade Bader was they were so confident with Nupar, his defense in right field, and Dylan Carlson in center. So in a kind of weird way, he's responsible for Jordan Montgomery. But anyway. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been a very good thing for the yeah. Cardinals, so they can yeah. pat him on the back for that. All right. I mentioned how Nupar is going to be a run producer as well, both in leadoff and in the ninth spot. So let's get your guys' take on a couple other options in that area. We're looking for stolen bases. We're looking for runs. Kevin, start you off here again. Who might be stealing a couple bases or scoring a couple extra runs this coming week? I like Sam Haggerty in Seattle. I'm going back to Seattle. I was getting a little worried because my pick here last week was Adam Frazier, and he had been <laughs> shut out on the base paths until today. They're in the ninth inning, tied 3-3 as we're recording, and he did get a stolen base this week. And we, we always say one stolen base out of these guys that were streaming for the purpose of a stolen base is a 26 stolen base guy on the season. If we can get one a week out of these guys, Haggerty's been getting quite a bit of playing time at the bottom of the order. We know Seattle is letting most of their guys run. He's got four stolen bases over the past month. And I think there's really something to the, the fun that a team is having and winning and they're stealing bases. So they're not going to shut these guys down when it's working. So I'm going to go with Haggerty for this week. Their schedule looks decent. I believe if I recall correctly, I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Just they're off Monday, a couple of games versus Washington and then four with Cleveland. They have six games again next week as well. So for the next couple of weeks, he's at least having six, no five game weeks. Yeah, I like Haggerty here. Yeah, I like Haggerty in my daily league as well yesterday and picked him up to start, hopefully to start on Saturday. And of course, as you're talking about this, he did not start on Saturday's game. Right. <laughs> I have the same kind of mentality. I expect him back in the lineup on Sunday. And it is, you know what? It's a tie game right now in the bottom of the ninth. It's three to three. So there's a very strong chance that he comes in as either a pinch runner, a pinch hitter, or maybe even a pinch ghost runner in extra innings so we'll i'll update that on that hopefully we can see that stolen base out of him todd are we are we got any other targets here that it might be readily available in the categories of runs and stolen bases actually kevin just said something i think it's interesting when we talk about streaming for stolen bases i'm less concerned about the number of games if i'm streaming for stolen bases i'm more concerned about the team that they're playing if i if i only have five games in a week 
but my guy's going against the Angels or the Rangers or one of these teams that just has terrible time defensing the steal. I'll take the fewer games to get those steals in those three games. Power, I want volume. But if I'm just looking for a stolen base or two, I will use a speedy guy against a team that doesn't defend very well. I have not. I need to update my stolen base against, if you will, rankings because there's been some catcher shakeup after the break, after the trading deadline. It's easy enough to take a look to, to figure out which teams to to run against. But a couple guys that I'm looking at, I think Greg Allen, we talked Pittsburgh before. He's playing. He's running a little bit. And then two two players, it's a leap of faith. They've both been accelerated within the past week. I don't know how much playing time either will get, but Winton Bernard of the the Rockies and Stone Garrett of the Diamondbacks both ran a bit in the minors. So sometimes these kids want to show what they can do. It's all narrative. So at least it's worth looking into those couple of guys if you're looking for steals. Now, the problem with Bernard, and I know we're talking his schedule in a bit, the Rockies have already played a bunch of home games. They're, they're predominantly on the, especially coming up, they're predominantly have road games left. So if you're looking for a scheduling edge, it's to trading away your Rockies right now. It's not to pick them up. <laughs> Something Kevin has been beating the drum on for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, I've been talking and Adam, about Adam, you do yeah, a yeah, lot a, of. A bunch of people, yeah. Adam, you do a lot of tracking of the stuff Todd was just talking about with the stolen base opportunities and the catchers and the pitchers. How much have the Angels improved with Noah Syndergaard gone? That's just alone. (laughs) (laughs) It seems as though every time I do try to stream against Noah Syndergaard, somehow he does hold the runners or nobody takes advantage of it. But he easily, if you can guarantee that you can get your guy even to play one game and that one game is going to be against Noah Syndergaard, that's probably a safe bet to take that chance if you need that stolen base. Cause but the Angels are still one of the better teams to run against. Sure. It wasn't just Syndergaard. Yeah, that, that was my question. That's what I was curious about. Yeah, that's obviously excuse it, but it wasn't just Syndergaard. And, and a team right now is an example. Before, you didn't want to run against the Red Sox because Vasquez is pretty good, Christian Vasquez. Right now, I'm not going to say I could steal against Kevin Plawecki because that means I could actually make it all the way 90 feet without needing a snack. I think you guys could probably steal a base <laughs> against Kevin Plawecki. Yeah, a lot of it, the catcher's pop time and all that plays a big part of it, of course, but also the repertoire and the pitcher getting the ball to the catcher and how much time that well, takes well, obviously if, is going to play a part. And if, I don't think that part is tracked as much as, as you think. If Plowecki were to throw a runner out, he would deserve a cart ride for the Red Sox. <laughs> okay. Let's put it. That's that. That's the equivalent. There you go. <laughs> All right. As we talked about, we do, let's go into our opportunity section based on a couple of different scheduling notes for this coming, coming week. There are a few teams that have a seven day work week, Tampa Bay, the White Sox, Minnesota, the Angels, Oakland, Philadelphia, the Cubs, Cincinnati, and St. Louis all play all seven days with St. Louis and Chicago having a double header on Tuesday that gives them eight games in the seven days, San Francisco, San Diego, and Arizona, Washington, Detroit. They all have two off days on Monday and Thursday, giving them just the five games during this coming week. After the off day on Monday, Boston plays 16 straight days, something to keep an eye on for moving into the future. Milwaukee and St. Louis, they each play 21 games in the next 21 days. Even with a random off day, they have a double. He- they each have a double header in that time. So they got lots of games to play, lots of at-bats to, uh, to put forward. 
And for whatever it's worth, if we're talking really long term, both Cincinnati and Minnesota, they still have 43 games left as opposed to the opposite end of the spectrum. San Diego, they have just 40 games left. So they're a little ahead of the curve there. This It's more of an opportunity to look at for just all the way down the line, especially in those leagues that have playoffs come in head-to-head situations. And then as Todd, you alluded to, Colorado, they have two more home games this coming week hosting Texas, but then they are on the road for 10 straight days and for the majority of the rest of the season, as you mentioned, so something to keep an eye on. And then, Kevin, you added this in here. I'll just read this off. I don't I, I don't know if either one of you guys have found it. I haven't been able to find it. But if you know where we can find the tentative unvaccinated player list somewhere, we'll want to know that with the Angels. They have their first trip to Toronto coming up this coming next weekend. And then Toronto will host the Cubs making their trip across the border as well so keep in look scour the news for that if you it's know it's not going to be don't waste your time it's not going to be there no and the problem is with the weekend series is in, in leagues where you have to set a weekly lineup you're in a really tough spot unless there's been a rumor about an individual player right. i guess we just assume everybody's gonna make the trip and you play them i don't know how much thought people want to put into that would we got so many other things to worry about making our lineups right yeah. <laughs> at least with the cubs trip it may be too late to do something about it in fab but at least the guys on your roster they're making that trip on monday we'll know who's not going okay, at least set so, your lineups accordingly. we will set know your lineup yeah we'll, we'll know a day or two in advance right? but not- it's a problem with the angels when you with we won't know until wednesday or thursday unless it's mike trout which in case it'll leak out or otani but right. Yeah. It's just, it's the law more than anything else. Oh yeah. All right. With all that guys in mind and any other factors you want to throw in there, Kevin, who has a good opportunity to have themselves for this coming week that you might be taking advantage of? I was starting to get worried that we weren't going to be able to talk about this guy other than just in passing. He, he wasn't involved because we talked about him so much last season. Talk about Zach a trade deadline. Yeah. Zach McKinstry <laughs> is getting playing time versus righties for the Cubs and has been performing pretty well over the past couple of weeks. They do have that eight game week you mentioned. Now it's not great for him. He's playing versus righties and they will face a couple of lefties against St. Louis. That still gives him three games the first half of the week for those in NFBC formats. And they do face a lefty over the weekend as well, but that's still five starts for a platoon player we're looking pretty good here as most teams obviously aren't playing eight games i like him for the week for the cubs in a spot he's got the second base third base outfield eligibility which always helps once again nfbc formats a guy like that's nice to have even if you're not starting him the first half of the week he's got a lot of places you can plug him in for the weekend if something happens during the first half of the week to one of your other players yeah i appreciate seeing the name on the outline Kevin, thank you for (laughs) forcing his way on there. Yeah, we talked about him passing around trade deadline time when he got traded away from L.A. to Chicago. So glad to bring him up a little bit more in depth. Really, all I was seeing about McKinstry after the trade was when he started seeing more playing time, I just kept seeing Cubs fans on Twitter be questioning why was McKinstry getting all this playing time. He was over about the first six games, but the past couple of weeks has been much better. It's nice to see. All right, Todd, is there any other situations out there worth taking advantage of based on different matchups, schedule, or what have you? 
Yeah, gratuitous plug. I do a piece every week. You mentioned the pitching where I break down each team's home away, home run park, stolen base, pitching, quality pitching to for and against. All these things we're talking about, I break down in a table available on Rotowire. So gratuitous plug there. Looking at that chart, I see Milwaukee faces tentatively, they're always subject change, right? Five lefties next week. And I don't know if that means you want to pick up Keston Hira because it's still Keston Hira. I think maybe if you have him and in, 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 in one of the half weeks in the NFC, you think about starting him. But if you're using Rowdy Telez or using Colton Wong or even Christian Yelich, I think you may want to see if you can find someone else next week. Excuse me, next week. All right, guys, that's things to keep in mind when looking at your offensive choices for Fab this week. And let's get into this very short list that Todd just made it shorter for me as he he saw some news that I did not see through coming through the wire. We're talking about guys that are currently in line for two starts, not this week, but the following week that, as we always say, and as Todd said earlier, the idea of it is nice to get that bid in now, get them on your roster, stash them if you need to, and then take advantage of the volume if the if it still sticks out. So still some guys on here maybe worth talking about or at least bringing back up as a couple of them have been mentioned earlier in the show. I'm going to list off these guys that are all listed at least on Yahoo. They are 50% or less rostered and they are currently slated for a start next week, and then two the following. Keegan Thompson was scheduled possibly for two starts, even with his poor play as of recent. But as it came through, as Todd mentioned here on the outline, he did hit the IL with some back issues. So not going to hit that. At least going to be skipped in the next start or two. Graham Ashcraft, JT Brubaker, as we talked about earlier. Rich Hill was mentioned earlier in the show. And then Zach Davies, all looking like they might be in line for a a two-start hit next the following week todd is there anybody on this list besides thompson that would be worth putting a bid in this week that you would expect to keep this two-start hit for the following week maybe rich hill maybe that's where we're at this point i don't like the toronto start for brubaker it's at home so i get you know what all right i'm gonna say brubaker and rich hill yeah, Brew Baker getting his two starts going to be at Milwaukee, and as you mentioned, he'll host Toronto. Rich Hill will get Toronto this week, and if he sticks with his two start based on the rotation issues in Boston, he'll be traveling to Minnesota, and then he'll host Texas. So, of course, you like that Texas, not so much that Minnesota matchup. Kevin, is there anybody else on this list that stands out to you in any different for any different reason? Not really, and but I was looking, and actually, Texas scares me more than. Minnesota, okay. just based on how they performed against lefties. It, the Texas has been top 10 uh, on the season, OPS-wise, as a team. So, And, yeah. and Minnesota more mid-pack. So it, I'm actually worried a little bit more about Texas there. As you said, it's a short list. Typically, this means not necessarily that there's a lot of off days for teams, but the one, two, and three starters for teams are who are pitching on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll get an Mm -hmm. opportunity again on the weekend. So the two-start pitchers aren't available to us. But the first one that crossed my mind when I saw the list was Todd talking about JT Brubaker earlier in the show and him performing better as of late. So, yeah, I'm with the same two that Todd is here uh, out of our four choices. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
All right, so we can leave Zach Davies off the list completely. All right. Well, Having said that, he's got the best matchups. He does. <laughs> but at Kansas City's nice, and his home park is nice. So even though Philly and Milwaukee can hit a bit, I don't mind people coming into his home park. But he's not very good. I'd rather have a, a one-start guy getting me six strikeouts right. than trying to get seven out of Davies in those two games. Yeah, and that's a lot of stuff we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah, If you can find that adequate pitcher who's going to get you five or six Ks in one start with a better matchup, that's probably the play to make here. Yeah. Let's look a little more short-term, coming looking just for this week. And Kevin, you talked about it earlier. You teased it a little bit. We did get a question regarding wins as a category. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read that. This is from Chris Shelton at Sandbox99 on Twitter. He shot you a little DM here. It's the question for the pod. Can you give me a couple of relievers that you're targeting for wins, specifically wins rest of season? Seems like wins are a tight category this year. Thanks a lot. So I I put it in here. I'd like to get your guys to take, let's talk about wins in case it's as the category. That's the category we're in here. But I want to make sure that you guys throw in a reliever or two that you might utilize. And Todd, you mentioned it, like putting in a reliever instead of questionable starters that have terrible matchups or what have you, that have a better shot at vulturing a win, being the first man up, what, whatever reason he gets the win here, who ha- who might be putting themselves in a better situation. So Tom, I'm going to start with you. Pitchers that we're looking for, wins and Ks, and then make sure just throw in a reliever that you might, you might be more reliant on. First of all, I, I don't, you can't name one to three that you're targeting. You should not be if you, even if you want the wins, you shouldn't be targeting the wins because you should be targeting the ratios and the strikeouts and maybe the usage, but you can, they're just so random. You don't want to ruin your ratios, so you you look for pitchers or yeah pitchers on winning teams and that have a good closer. So I don't even think I need to name a couple names. Use that criteria each week. Look for pitchers, pitchers on the winning teams that are have a stable closer to get, to take home the win at the end, and that's where you want to look. The Cubs have got a couple of guys. If you want some names, the Cubs have got a couple of guys. They have eight games this week, right? We, we talked about that earlier. Where did I write? I wrote their names down. Mark Leiter was one. There's a couple of guys in the Cubs that have eight games this week. An extra game, especially on a doubleheader, because you're going to empty the bullpen. Yeah, it's probably a better chance of, uh, of picking up. And Sean Newcomb, he's the other one. So Mark Leiter and Sean Newcomb are a couple of relievers that with the Cubs having eight games and maybe something to look at. The same with David Robertson of Philadelphia. I said I'm not going to name names and naming names. <laughs> the Phillies got a doubleheader. Maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez is closing. Maybe Robertson closes the second game. Maybe he gets a win. So look at the schedule. This coming week, those two teams have eight games. Nice. Yeah, I think we'll we'll probably get to more specific names that'll fit into exactly what Todd in our next category. Up, I just, yeah, I just used up my names. I just yeah. used up my <laughs> you yeah. really did. Yeah. So that's a so a seg- I can go now. I can yeah. sign off. <laughs> no, but it fits into the idea of our ratio category that we will get to next, where yeah. these are the middle relievers that we're usually targeting to chip away at our ratios or at least stabilize our ratios, even at this stage of the year, that can walk themselves into whatever direction you're going for, whether it's they can vulture a save, vulture a win, what have you. Kevin. You, you mentioned the Mets before with their easy schedule. What relievers are on the Mets that you guys may know better than I off the top of your heads? All right, Diaz is closing. Who are some of the relievers to, to get to Diaz? Those, uh, that's a team I'd look for. Sure. 
I'd look uh, for some well, of the better relievers in the Mets. Michael Givens has been doing awful for the Mets, so I would say not him. That. We're looking for good guys. <laughs> I'm not me not giving any names is better than you giving a terrible name. No, at least you know who to avoid. <laughs> at least you're not putting a bid on these guys. <laughs> now, uh, between Trevor May returning, um, here we go. He usually goes a nice 20 or 30 or at least double digit pitches throughout the game. So he can go full inning, if not longer. Seth Lugo's looked pretty good as well. Julie Rodriguez has looked pretty good as well. He's a lefty. He's pretty much the only decent lefty coming out of that bullpen as well. So. Is Tyler McGill coming back? I meant to look that up to answer the other question before. Yeah, McGill is starting to throw some bullpens. So you're looking for that I think that I saw one more, one more rehab start. Yeah, when you were talking about the Mets starter, if yeah, so if we're looking for stashes, Tyler McGill could be a stash for the Mets. Yeah, and he is uh, from what I read, he's supposed to come back as a reliever as with the rest of the but, regular yeah, season, yeah. not just the playoffs. Yeah, so Degrom and Scherzer, all right, but just three other days. Someone has to piggyback Peterson, has to big, piggyback Williams. So Tyler McGill could be some for a guy who wasn't going to give you any names for wins. <laughs> you, know, you can't stop me now. <laughs> All right, Kevin, let's see. Did Todd take up all the names or is there somebody oh, else yeah. out there? <laughs> no. And since we're still in the wins category, I'm just briefly going to mention I, I had David Peterson because it does appear he's going to remain in the rotation and he's available because he had lost his rotation spot. Everybody was briefly healthy for the Mets. He's only 30% <laughs> rostered in online championship 12 team leagues. So yeah. a lot of availability out here. Another name, and it follows right what Todd was saying, Chris Martin for the Dodgers. And we talked about the way they're going to use guys down the stretch. They're going to win games. Their starters, some of them are going to be taken care of <laughs> they're not going to be out there and he's coming in and getting an inning or two i think he's already pitched like four and a third innings this week and a good scoring team obviously we talked about their closer situation whether it's kimbrell gratterall or somebody else he's typically not i think he's got one save on the year so he's not going to be the guy in the ninth so he'll be earlier and have an opportunity for a win like Exactly what Todd said. The other thing I would mention when it comes to this, unless he's in a league that has a season cap on transactions, rest of season is not the way to look at this. It's on a weekly basis, even a daily basis, if that's the type of league you're in. Unless you have a yearly cap on transactions and you're getting close, rest of season is not the way to think about it. About anything, to be honest with you. Any spot. Yeah. yeah, and to go back to Peterson, of course, he made his start in the second game of the Mets doubleheader today. Kevin went four and two thirds, did strike out six. So the strikeouts are definitely there if that's what you're looking for. For That's the category we're talking about. He had seven strikeouts in each of his uh, yeah. two better starts in the minors during his recent stint. Four innings, 4.1 innings, each had seven strikeouts. So the strikeouts are there. The runs, unfortunately, are also there as well. So it's something to consider. Yeah, but he gets Colorado. At home. Yeah. yeah. In New York. In New York. Yeah. Love the Rocky Road. All right. Let's uh, let's see if there are any names left over then, Todd, for <laughs> uh, the ratio category. Kevin, I will uh, let you start off here in case Todd wants to find some other names because he did list off uh, yeah, <laughs> the two I'm names done. he wrote on I'm here. I'm done. <laughs> Anybody chipping away at ERA and WHIP and maybe they walk themselves into a counting category or two? couple of guys, we've been bringing up guys like this all season. So I was trying not to repeat a lot of names. Most of these guys, I didn't even look up roster ship percentages. They're going to be very low because they're not starters or closers. Carl Edwards Jr. has pitched well. 
uh, recently for Washington. I, I wanted to bring him up. Todd's 100% correct. We can't target wins. But I did run a quick search. And over the past month, the only four relievers have more than two wins. They were Carl Edwards Jr., Chris Martin, Erasmo Ramirez, and Nick Vespi. And I'm like, two of those are Washington Nationals. That They had six wins over the last month? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that just proves Todd's point of how yep. we cannot target this. But a, a guy whose ratios have been absolutely amazing all season long, I think he's given up one earned run on four occasions this entire season, and he's up to 37 innings is oh goodness i just i'm not on the page it is eric swanson and yeah. he's only 13 percent rostered out there he's a great guy right now it's to pick up on some ratios for you all right of course that's 13 percent in the main event those are 15 teamers gonna be even more widely available of course in your 12 teamers and what have you depending on your format make sure you're looking for all these guys all right, let's move in for deeper into the bullpen. Guys, we talked a couple bullpen situations in the news section, but uh, let's see if there are any if there are any other situations worth grabbing onto. Todd, let's start with you here because I think there's a name on here you haven't mentioned yet. So I'll let you take it here. Is there anybody out there, if you're chasing saves, specifically saves, who you might be targeting? Yeah, let me. we'll go back a little bit. Trevor Stefan of Cleveland is someone who fits into my mold of teams are going to win games. He's pitching. He's dominant. You could use him to hope for some wins. So there's another name for that. Yeah, it's Scott Efros, who you're, who you're, who you're fishing for. We're not exactly sure what the uh, the Yankees are going to do with with the world of Chapman. Is he going to be the closer? Efros came over. I don't want to say he's a throw-in, but he wasn't a name. He, did, he, he was a nice under-the-radar acquisition from the Cubs in the at the trade deadline. But Efres is someone who could sneak into a save, vulture a win, pitching for the Yankees, checks all the other boxes, good team. Montgomery's not going to – he's not pitching anymore with him. Herman's not going to finish a game. So, some of the non-Garrett Coles on this staff, even Frankie Montas right now, is not pitching so well. So he's going to see some action. Yeah, with Holmes on the IL now, um, every, everybody saw it coming, and he finally made it official. I think the typical expectation, obviously, is that Chapman will make his way back in. As I think, I think Boone said that Chapman was supposed to go into a closer situation like a week or two ago, and the lead wasn't wasn't held, so it didn't really matter. But we haven't really seen any clarity on that since. So I like the Efros call out here, especially as you mentioned, we're at a time where if you need a Hail Mary and you need to throw something out there, it could work out for this coming week. Kevin, is there any other bullpen situation that you like to target for saves that somebody might be still available? Yeah, a name that's come up a couple of times in recent weeks. I'm a little surprised at the availability of Kyle Finnegan. Once again, Washington, it's because people are surprised like me that they'd win six games in a month. But since the All-Star break, there are three players with more saves than Kyle Finnegan. And that's Class A, Hendricks, and Diaz. He's tied with Jansen and Romano. So he is the guy in Washington, and he's available in almost a quarter of 15-team leagues 40% of 12s and over 70% on Yahoo. I know some of those leagues don't count saves specifically, but it's surprising to me his availability. I do know, I believe maybe at least two, if not three of those saves were this week. Yeah, three saves this week. He will be 100% rostered in main events after 
Sunday evening and probably approach that in online championships. So it might cost a little bit of, of fab dollars, depending on what you have left. But he does appear to be the guy in Washington. Washington might only have those six wins, but you, I venture to guess that all six of those wins were won by less than three runs. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the Cubs in two games. Rowan Wick has got wide availability. And if you need a second guy, Brennan Hughes, if they happen to sweep, could get the second, the second save in that game. That's more for a daily league. If you're in a daily league, you pick up Hughes during the day of the doubleheader. Yeah, it's very rare to see a closer get the save in both of those yeah, games. Yeah. It happened, I think, Ryan Presley the two or three years ago got one. I was really impressed by that. And Hendricks has done it. Hendricks has done it more than once. Yeah, yeah sure. All right, guys, my fi- favorite category here is the wild card. This is pretty much anybody that didn't fit into any other categories we talked about. If you're still stashing, I know Kevin talked about it last week, it's stashing season might be over here. But if you're looking for a stash, this is the category to talk about them in. So, Kevin, I'm going to let you start it off here. Who might you be going after that, again, didn't fit into anything else that we were talking about? With the news on Corbin Carroll, is that cheating? Is that too easy? I know in NFBC League. It's cheating because I put his name Yeah, down. it's already out. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, that's what's cheating. No, fine. Uh, talk about it. Talk, talk about it. I, I think the thing is that... <laughs> Adam, I've seen this point on Twitter, but Adam was the first one I heard talk about it that a month ago. You talked about the rookie of the year thing. So when we're hearing that we that that they would like to see him at the major league level this season, I think it still will be a couple of more weeks. He comes up right now and plays every day. There's a chance he gets to that 130. So they're going to put that off so he's still a rookie next season. I think it'll be a couple of weeks before we we see that happen. And I do apologize, Todd. I didn't even look that no, right there. Being silly. No, I mean, it, the news came out this week. Mike Hazen said, what he said was up before the end of the season. Right. He didn't say, pack your bags, kid. You're getting the call. So I think we knew that anyway, but it's always nice to hear when things are official. I want another name. I'm a Boston Homer. Tristan Casas still could come up. Eric Hosmer's back is barking a little bit. Maybe we see Casas come up and try to, oh man, they're not going to make the playoffs. What am I even saying? Give the team a little bit of a spark. Yeah, I think if you're going to be conservative, if you don't want to make sure that your rookie doesn't hit 120 plate appearances to keep them under that threshold, Kevin, what is it, 40 games on the roster or you hit your those statistical plateaus? So I think Andrew Vaughn lost his rookie eligibility just because he was on the roster too long, not because he... Uh, yeah, service time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be... Pretty much around September 1st, kind of almost a September 1st expanded roster call-up would be the safest bet for a team to call up a guy like Carroll and keep his rookie eligibility for 2023. So that might be the time that we start seeing a couple more of those day rookies. Um, now, obviously, you can get away with maybe at the end of August and stay under the 40-game the cap while still giving him a couple of days off here or there and not hitting the statistical spots. But something to keep an eye out. It, I, I can appreciate the fact that you guys had the like-mindedness and you went after Carol there because that would have been the, especially with the news that came out, as you mentioned, Todd, it would be somebody that yeah, if you have the ability to get, obviously in NFBC, it's, you don't, but on your Yahoo's and what have you, it's, you need it's because for me, it's like I said last week, it, the, my roster spots are too valuable now. And, mm-hmm. and most of these guys have come up. It, it has to be somebody that could be really special for four, five, six weeks, I like Corbin Carroll for me to be using a roster spot in that capacity now at this point. In yeah, the season. Keep in mind, the season ends October 5th. Right. 
We got it, it extended. It's, it's cool, almost sure. a full week. And there's still, we're still making up some double headers from the lockout. So it's a little bit busier, a little bit busier in September as we may be used to. Having said that, there's only 90 games scheduled for this week. There's, there's a double header and two lockout makeup games. So we're, it should be busy this week and it's still pretty quiet or yeah. this coming week, this current week that we're now ending. There was like 101 games or something. So still lots of baseball to play. All right, guys, with those recommendations in the books, Kevin, why don't you take us out? Any other added words of wisdom you have for those who are still uh, they're still out there paying attention? Nothing out of the ordinary this week. One of the things I say a lot, and Todd has brought up many of the different things that w- would pertain to this, is all the little things add up to big things. All right, check everything. Check your schedule. Check it, when he brought up Keston here because Milwaukee's facing five lefties, all the little things add up to a big thing. If you go, it, it takes time, go through it all, check everything, make sure you're maximizing the potential of your lineups. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode of On the Wire. Uh, thanks once again, Todd, Todd Zola, for joining us this week. Todd, could you remind everybody what you do and where you do it? Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> we've got an hour forty-three. We can always double that nah, right here no, if you want. No, listen, yeah, no, Masters ball is home base. I've got a subscription, which it's not worth pitching now. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks when the season's over. But I do work for RotoWire. I do work for ESPN. And even though the Fantasy Channel announced Sirius no longer lets us talk about baseball, <laughs> I talk about. I have a, an hour show with Eric Halterman of RotoWire every Saturday on the network, on MLB Network Radio. So you can find me there. Find me on Twitter. Be at first pitch. I'll be at first pitch. First pitch, Arizona. For people, I'm a little bit of a social, awkward awkward socially, but I'll still say hi to you. First week of November in Arizona, if you go to the first pitch forum. Yeah, we. I think we somehow find a way to plug the first pitch forum every week on the As show. As you should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since we had Bloomfield on, it's just second nature. Kevin, you found a nice little deal I saw on Twitter for your flight, your round trip flight. From the yeah, Big yeah. Island I was shocked. I got a nice inexpensive flight. Got, so I'm all booked. Can't wait to see Todd and everybody else there. My third trip in four years as we missed one during COVID. Yeah, I'm excited. Once you go once, you're going back. Annual event. Yep. Looking forward to the uh, seeing the results of the Home Run Derby, which is pretty cool. The first year they're doing that, and everybody in attendance is going to To be clear, it's not amongst the seminar people, ah. which would be interesting. <laughs> and just get, the the thing, ticket you get is just to go watch it? You don't yeah. get the... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of times people booking their travel. If you're going and you've already booked it, you might want to look at this. Or if you haven't booked yet, keep this in mind. They move the Fall Stars yeah. game to Sunday evening. The conference typically ends at noon on Sunday. So a lot of people leave Sunday afternoon. You may want to change your plans and try to Mm. push that off till Monday. The assumption that Ryan put on Twitter today is due to the possibility of game seven of the World Series being Saturday night. They move the fall star game to Sunday. So keep that in mind when you're making your travel plans. Yeah, I booked a red eye Sunday night, so I should be okay. Yeah, at the very least. The ticket to the home run derby should at least get you in the outfield so you can shag the balls. That's what you should have been able to get. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for episode 73 of On the Wire. Please make sure to subscribe, share, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. 
We're back every Sunday with detailed fab breakdowns throughout the 2022 season. Of course, keep an eye out for Kevin's companion article over at pitcherlist.com. Comes out every Sunday afternoon as well. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. Of course, follow the pod itself at On The Wire Pod. Like to once again, thank our guest Todd Zola for joining us. Follow him at Todd Zola. I am Adam Howe on behalf of Kevin Hasting. I thanks for listening. With that, we bid you goodbye.